John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. It's Monday, which means once we're past the Sports Fix at 6, it's time to turn our attention to the rule book. And to help us do that, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. Gerald, how are you? Doing well, John. How about yourself? Doing quite well. Thank you very much. And we can tell you his appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. Gerald, I got a couple things I want to run by you. And uh, I want to start off with this one. Um, so we touched on the fact that uh, Mississippi State game last week, they had two number fours on the field on a punt return. Tennessee did it against Tennessee Tech. It wasn't caught. They did it against uh, Florida, and it was caught. Uh, my question to you is this. Do you know if the SEC or any other conferences have asked the NCAA to outlaw duplicate numbers so that you don't have this issue, which is very difficult for officials to officiate? Well, the, the, the way it works, Jimmy, is all the rule changes and all the rules are voted on by a committee of coaches. It's right. not on the conference level. But, you're, granted, there, may, there could be conferences that, uh, you know, would make that request. I'm sure that's going to come up uh, this year again. Uh, you know, you got zero through 99, and we both understand why they do duplicate numbers. If you've got a really good recruit that just insists on wearing his number and you got a couple of them, you know, they kind of cave in, I guess, and let them do it. But the simplest thing would just be say, in college, you can't do it. you got to pick one, you know. And it would eliminate that, or you know, just eliminate the penalty for it. The only time it became becomes a factor basically is when they're on offense. You know, where you've got say two receivers and you know the same number, and they may have a little different skill sets. So you don't really know which number one you're watching. You know, let you know. Of course, you're not going to see the name on the back there on defense that faces you. So. The simplest thing would be to outlaw duplicate numbers, and I know this week we looked, and there, there were half a dozen duplicate numbers, you know, scattered out. And last year, I mean, we would see triplicate. We would see the same number on three different players. Really? And most of the time, yeah, most of the time, two is about all you're going to get. And typically when it happens, Jimmy's on just on special teams because you right. normally – they try to have an offense and a defensive number, but then when you get special teams, you, you know, it's a mix. You got defensive players covering punts and offensive players, you know. So that's most of the time when it happens. And if that's the case, if it's on a punt or something like that, you know, there's really no harm, you know, at all. Well, what happened so, with Tennessee was I, they were they were kind of in, in punt safety against Florida because they weren't sure if Florida was going to go for it or punt. And so sure. as soon as they saw Florida go to the punt, then Bayless Jones, number one, the punt returner runs out there. The safety, number one, Trayvon Flowers, is out there. And they looked at each other, and both of them ran off the field, so Tennessee had nine people on the field. Uh, and there was nobody oh, back to cover the punt. <laughs> so that's, oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah so that, so he, and I, I did some research on this as soon as uh, this started coming up. I counted uh -huh. Tennessee has 33 players with a duplicate number, 22 oh, of them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> what, 22 yeah. are scholarship. Now, now, there are 108 on the roster, 108 that I caught. Okay. Because sure. you got walk-ons and all that. Right. So out of the duplicate oh, numbers, yeah. 22 had one player was on scholarship and the other player was not. So that meant 11 times there were 
two scholarship players that wore the same number. Now, that's, that's what right. Tennessee revealed. I have no idea what that looks like at other schools, but I thought it would be interesting to count that uh, to, uh, to see. And I just I did wonder if uh, if the because con- you suggest, you mentioned this conferences can kind of suggest or request rule changes to the committee. I just right. didn't know if it was something that ever came up. So that's why I asked that. Yeah, one. there right there is a committee of uh, football super conference supervisors also, and that uh, that request probably would come you know from the conference through their supervisor officials to that committee, and then they would take it to the rules committee. So. That would be, you know, that would get, and actually impacts us in the replay booth in a way that we always track the unsportsmanlike fouls. And we actually had this situation uh, in a game a few years ago, and the uh, team had two number fives, and they didn't have their names on the back of the jersey. So, you know, we had a unsportsmanlike on number five, and we, you know, we got to look well. Wonder which number five was it? Because obviously you get a second, you're ejected from the game. So it it causes a you know it's a little more uh, work than than we need and the officials on the field need. Really, because typically yeah. it's not a major deal other when you've got disqualified fouls or something. Yeah. Okay. I was watching the game and the clock went down to zero zero. The play clock should have been delay of the game. It wasn't called. Can the replay official intervene? Does the replay official have the right to say, hey, guys, that was a delay of game. That play should not have counted. How does that work? Not at, not at this time. No, that's a non-reviewable play. Uh, and then uh, I think the one you're talking about might have been a pro game. I it, know it, it was, but I've seen game. it in college. But this yeah. one, the pro game is one oh, that yeah, reminded sure. me of it. Yes. It happens. Yeah. The process, Jimmy, too, for that is the uh, – you know, the back judge is responsible for the play clock. And what we've always been taught back in the, you know, when I was on the field and from then up is you watch the play clock. When it hits zero, you immediately look to the ball. And if they're in the process of snapping it, then you let it go. But if you look at go zeros and you look down, the ball's still on the ground, then it is the leg game. And they're pretty good. They really are. But, you know, Sometimes people, you know, people were really watching it, but there is a little split second lag. I mean, just the time it takes to blink or less. You look at the scoreboard and into the ball, but that's that's the process. You said it's play clock and ball. You said it's not reviewable at this time. Does that suggest it has been discussed? Uh, really, not to my knowledge. We're not privy to a lot of the discussions in the rules committee, but. You know, if it gets to be an issue, you know, to more than a couple coaches, then it could be brought up. Some things we do, we get a survey at the end of the season that we fill out, and they'll they'll float on oh, maybe ten or fifteen prospective rule changes, and uh, and we'll you know we have you know strongly agree, uh, disagree, uh, no opinion, and. I, I don't know that that goes anywhere but file 13, but we do We do at least get to voice our opinion. <laughs> Gerald, as soon as a game is over, the crew just makes a beeline for the exit, correct? That's correct. And except, except, yes. except 
if it's a very critical play at the end of the game, well, we do it. We do it at the end of each quarter, each half, and then after every score or turnover, we clear the officials on the field, especially at the end of the half and the end of the game. Uh, if there's any, you know, controversy or whatever, they will wait. Of course, we do. We've been on the field. We know what it's like as soon as that, you know, the buzzer goes off. But we try to clear, but we want to make sure there's not an issue with the clock or an issue with a, a review that we may have to look for. Mm-hmm. But uh, in practice, the soon is practical after that last, the last, you know, buzzer goes off, they're gone. But we do clear them after every turnover and after every score. You'll see it, if you've noticed, you'll see sometimes, especially if it's a real close goal line play, you'll see the referee come up over the ball and maybe put his hand on the center's back or just stand there between the center and, you know, between the snapper and, the, you know, the holder. Mm-hmm. So they will not snap the ball until we clear them. And also you'll see them sometimes if we go down below the 25-second clock, if we're looking and we finally we clear them, yeah. then they'll pump the 25-second clock back up. So it's not fair to the offense if we hold them just to check something. I mean, they're going to get their 25 seconds. So, uh, but, you know, there again, we try to do it as expeditiously as possible. So, uh, but uh, we do we do clear them after a turnover and, and scores. We uh, have seen and, of course, talked with you and, and Rocky Good for years now about preventive officiating, where sometimes you can have uh, everybody on both sides if there's a skirmish before the game starts. Everybody can be assessed an unsportsmanlike act so that a, a further one would result in their ejection. And also, if there was something that happens after the second quarter, there would certainly be actions if there was a dust-up that would impact their availability in the third and the fourth. What I'm getting to is it was after a game that the visiting team won and the visiting team tried to plant their flag on the field where they had just won. And this was SMU at TCU. And TCU players, of course, said, not going to happen on our watch. And so they go, and we'll just say they took the flag out of the hands of the person that was trying to plant it. I'm just curious, as soon as the crew is gone, is there anything that extends beyond that that could result in penalties, or would that purely be on game management and stadium security and or conferences if they wanted to impart any penalties if there was something that came together in terms of tempers flaring after a game was concluded. The, the, the crew is done with its responsibility at that point in time, right? That is correct. The official's jurisdiction starts 60 minutes, well, actually now 90 minutes before kickoff mm-hmm. because we have three officials out on the field to kind of keep some of that pregame stuff down. And they also passed a rule that every player out on that field, even if they have a T-shirt on, it has to have a number. That happened last year. This is the second year for that. So uh, we have three officials out at 90 minutes. You know, they put 90 minutes on the play clock or get you know, on the scoreboard to mm-hmm. count down to kickoff. So at 90 minutes, we have a minimum of three officials out there. And then at 60 minutes, typically the rest of them come out, or sometimes 45. But anyway, our jurisdiction starts basically at that 90 minutes. And then... As when the game is over, then you're correct. It's it is strictly game management, and then could get to a conference level if there's a really big issue. 
All right. And oh. it has before. They will use video to, you know, to check it. I didn't know if it might fall on somebody like yourself because <laughs> the replay official is still in the booth. <laughs> but anyhow. We I, are in the booth, but go ahead. No, no, go we're, ahead and finish your thought. Trying to get our, we're, we're trying to get our in-the-game reports yeah. uh, buttoned up and then, you know, get out of there too. So, but no, it, it's our jurisdiction's over at the final gun our guest gerald hodges sec replay official let's go to the phones where jeremy joins us hello jeremy hey guys uh my question is when is it too late to call for fair catch i know in this tennessee and florida game where the guy come up with targeting i didn't ever see the man signal for a fair catch and i know there used to be a halo rule i don't think that stands anymore he's awful close just kind of want to know when is it too late to call for a fair catch thank you Okay, uh, you may go ahead and answer that, John. Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, on uh, Jeremy, on the fair catch, uh, you don't even have to signal for a fair catch to have protection on a kick, whether it's a kickoff, free kick, or a punt. Uh, the way the rule reads now is if you're within shoulder width of a player on the side or one yard in front of him, uh, then you have committed fair catch or kick catch interference. You don't even have to touch it. Uh, so it's, it just says the receiver has the right to an unimpeded chance to catch the ball. If that punt receiver has to run around the player to get to the ball, then it's a 15 yard kick catch interference. And then when you get, when there is contact, uh, you have, you run the risk of getting a targeting call. So you, there isn't any really time frame on uh, protection of the punt receiver. Uh, whether he gives a fair catch or not, he has to have an unimpeded path to the ball. And let me address that. Tennessee was called for um, hitting the punt returner. To me, it was a little bit of a late signal, but I also thought that was immaterial because it, it doesn't matter whether he gave the signal or not. You can't knock the guy's head off before the ball gets there. And that's what happened. There was there was serious yeah. contact made before he had a chance to catch the football. I thought it was an obvious call on the catch interference. Anyway, that's right. uh, I've had yeah. that asked yeah. me it several times. Be. Hey, wait a minute! It was a late signal. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You yeah. can't hit the guy right. before yeah. the ball is caught. Now, I, I would that's ask right. to, uh, to just go on further with Jeremy, and, and I really very much appreciate your answer, Gerald. But in, at what point in time is there a is there a drop-dead date, so to speak? Is there a line in the sand where you're not afforded the protection of being hit by the kick team? Because if it is, what? I mean, as the ball is approaching, and, I mean, it looked like it was almost there before the hand went up, and I'm just wondering, is that something that as long as he does it before he makes the catch, then it is indeed a fair catch and he should not be contacted? Correct. And then also, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, if it's simultaneous with him touching the ball, it's still going to be kick-catch kick, interference. Okay. Uh, the only requirements on the uh, receiver is he, you know, and he can't signal after the ball's hit the ground, and then he can't signal after the catch. You'll see that on kickoffs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we, you know, yeah. With that, the, the, new, the new kickoff rule, they'll catch it inside the 25, and he says, 
oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to signal for a fair catch. Well, it's too late. So he's going to get it at that spot. But uh, now basically on the signal, uh, there isn't any really time frame at all because he, he has the right to catch and possess the ball. Once he possesses the ball and then becomes a runner, if he doesn't see him, of course, he can't hit him. Still can't target him as anywhere on the field. But uh, So basically on time frame, there isn't one. Okay, and then one more quick question. When it comes to the signal itself, are there requirements that they to in order to get the fair catch? Because sometimes guys just wave their arm to the side. Does he have to go up above his shoulders, or does it just have to be a clear demonstration that he is signaling for a fair catch? That The way it reads, John, is kind of interesting because any waving signal, oh, and it, where it comes into play is on the kickoffs again. But mm-hmm. any waving signal makes the ball dead as soon as it's caught. Okay. And so, you know, there again, if he gives a – you'll see him point to the ground or pointing for their blockers and things, kind of directing their blockers. They can do that, but he has to keep his arms below his waist. Okay. So anything basically above the waist, any waving signal or just the hand straight up, the way the rule reads, your hand's supposed to be straight above your head and waved side to side more than once. Where they come up with all this wording, I don't know. But <laughs> any any signal, <laughs> any signal by the receiver makes the ball dead. Whoever catches it, you know, one player, and this happens quite a few often. You'll see one player signal, and the punt will go to another teammate. He'll catch the ball and take off. Of course, they're trained. As soon as he catches the ball, it's dead, regardless mm-hmm. whoever signals. And sometimes that'll happen if it's a short punt. The up up man will catch the ball. He doesn't know the guy behind him has, has given a fair catch signal. So, you know, and they, in that case, we'll give him three or four steps, but they, they should shut it down immediately with a whistle. All right. Sure to appreciate that. Let's go next to Randy. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Randy. Mm-hmm. Hello, gentlemen. How you doing today? Doing well. How are you? Good. Yeah, got Randy. A hey, got a couple questions for you, uh, Gerald. Um, I know tripping's illegal in football, but I've seen linemen, and they've been doing it a long time, they leg whip. An offensive lineman will leg whip to keep a defensive man out of the backfield, and the defensive man, if he can't tackle a runner coming up with his legs, I mean his arms, with his arms, he'll kind of whip his legs around and make it look like, well, I'm falling. When intent, when really he's intentionally tripping, but that don't get called. That that does not get called a lot. Leg whipping, tripping. It doesn't. I and I have seen it. You know, more more recently, actually. Uh, you don't quite see it as much as against a runner because you try to trip a runner. Most of these runners now just jump over it and go on. So you're gonna lay there yeah. looking kind of silly, I guess, if he's gone off. But it does happen in interior line play and. It'll it'll actually be called more than you think, uh, but it's not there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really common, you know, like holding, obviously. But uh, every now and then you will see it. You'll see tripping. You know, it used to be you could uh, you couldn't trip anybody except the runner, and now you can't trip the runner. So there again, they they taken that out. So if you trip the runner, that is a foul. Yeah, Packers were penalized okay. last night for tripping Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that goes on to my uh, follow-up here. You said you used to trip the runner. 
I remember in the Fiesta Bowl when Tennessee played in the championship game, David Leverton, the punter, made, I guess, a game-saving tackle, but it looked like he just stuck his legs out on that tackle and tripped the, tripped the returner on that. I know you, John and Jimmy, that remember time, that. that was, oh, I remember that very well. Probably at that time yeah. it was still legal, actually. Yeah, so. Yeah, to the best of my memory, Leverton just basically tripped him. I mean, he didn't use his arms or hands or body. Yeah. And and on the um, – so that – I guess – I mean, they didn't call it. I guess it was legal at that time, correct? It probably was. If memory serves me correctly, obviously, that was in 98. So, uh, yeah. But it probably was. Like, golly, what's that now, 13 years? No, 23 years. 23, yeah. So it – so it was, it, it was it, it was legal then. Now back to the fair catch. Back in back in those days when Tennessee was so fast on special teams, you could get down the field uh, to uh, down a ball before it got in the end zone. When the um, when the opponent was not fair catching and he moved up, moved out of the way, we had guys so fast we could go down there and catch catch our punt and down it around the one yard line and catch our punt. Uh, right. I imagine that's still legal. I don't see it much anymore, but our guys were so fast, they could get down there and catch their own punt. That is legal as long as there's not a receiver uh, in position to catch it. Then you would have right. to catch interference. But that is, it, like I said, if they, if they give a signal on this run out of the way, you can absolutely catch it in the air or you can bat it as long as it doesn't get across the plane of the goal. So, But, yeah, that's that's perfectly legal. Randy, we do appreciate it. And, uh, Gerald, one of the things that uh, circulated was we saw an official. It was, I think it was an SEC game, but anyhow, you never know why somebody's having to do it, but he was just, he had some Skittles on the field with him and he decided to, uh, to go for a bit of a break during the, uh, while the action was stopped from one play to the next. And I'm just curious. I mean, some people can have low blood sugar or something like that. Did you ever have anything on the field in a situation like that in your time as a member of a crew? No, I didn't, John. I was probably a little too clumsy, so I didn't want to chance it. <laughs> <laughs> and then also a uh, pretty cool moment, as we saw yesterday, and that was a 66-yard field goal. A new record was set as Justin Tucker won the game for the Ravens in Detroit. And I'm curious as to whether or not you were ever on the field for what you knew was a record-breaking performance and and what it's like. I mean, you you know, fans love to have been in attendance, a uh, chance to be on hand. Did you were you ever witness to as a member of an officiating crew some record setting performance like that? You know, I'm sure I was, John, after you know, all the time, but I probably didn't realize it until after the fact. You know, probably read it the next day in the paper, but I don't recall the one that we were aware of like going into the game or something like that. But so uh, uh you know, we've had so many games, and it, it could be entirely possible for sure. And then we also saw uh, a head coach that was not happy with how replay went uh, as a call on the field that he thought was incorrect stood, and the other team went on to win. And as you've talked to us about what the training videos are like that you go through and everybody watches before you go into another week's games, I'm just wondering whether or not coaches' comments and or – uh, letters that get sent by schools to a, a conference, whether or not that impacts what you guys do see from one week to the next 
and whether or not something comes up to question because a coach or a school had a question about how it was adjudicated. Actually, John, of course, we get a training film every week, mm-hmm. and uh, it points out the good the good moments and then the occasional bad moments, and they're and they're learning they're learning plays. Uh, the uh, really, as far as we're concerned, we don't uh, we don't really sense any reaction to any comments or anything. We just we look at the plays. We okay. want to get them all right. And, uh, you know, there'll be times that, you know, things we can do better, but, uh, it, it doesn't really affect our, you know, judgment from one week to the next, um, we, you know, as long as we get it right. And that's the main, you know, the main outcome. Okay. So Steve Shaw might've put something on there because a coach questioned it. He just didn't share that. Hey, this was questioned by so-and-so you just see the footage and go from there. Right. And it'll be, you know, of course, Steve now puts out a nation national training tape for officials rather than just in the SEC. The SEC has their own, and then we watch uh, Steve's, you know, tape every week. He puts one out also. And and there again, it's, you know, it's about 50-50. And uh, good plays, good good mechanics, you know, we're in the right place at the right time. That's what we kind of look at. We always feel like if you're in the right spot at the right time, then vast majority of the time you're going to make the right decision. So, and that's a lot of it, especially, you know, for younger officials. You just get a feel for the game as you go on. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of know what's coming a little bit. And, uh, you yeah, so if you're there at the right spot and in the right position, then there's a good chance you're going to get it right. Joe, we got less than two minutes left. I did want to ask you this. We had a call on Sunday morning sound off about accountability officials. The guy said, well, they don't seem to be accountable. I said, yeah, they are. And uh, one of the things I know that occurs is that uh, at the end of the year, an official may not be retained. So I know that's part of the equation. Uh, there had been a time when also officials were suspended. Is, does that happen anymore? I don't know. Could they be suspended in season and just nobody knows about it? They could. They could very well be suspended uh, for one game or maybe multiple games, depend, depending on what happened. Um, but that is that's a that's a possibility, a very real possibility. And uh, of course, the big deal, like you said, is we're graded uh, at the end of the year, uh, you know, for our performance, and it, it affects two things. Uh, it affects obviously your bowl assignment if you're mm-hmm. if you're awarded a bowl, and then the other the other issue is you know you may not be invited back, and that uh, that it's a very well scrutinized, you know, your work is very well scrutinized these days with all the video and the films and everything else, you know, that uh, you, you can't hide, literally. Uh, so about every, what every play is, and we have, you know, every play of every game we have is up on the website. And we can look at it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's scrutinized very well. We have uh, film graders every week, and then they put out, comments and things on every game to each official and and um and you also have evaluators at each game as well but gerald thank you so much do appreciate it thank you for joining us as always thank you enjoyed it and you guys have a good week you as well